With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in live from uh, Radio Row here in Vegas, Super Bowl. What is it, 58? Coming down the pike here. Uh, Mark Schler alongside Mike Evans, the Stinky Truth Podcast. Please uh, make sure you push the subscribe button, uh, share with your friends. But anyhow, Mike, how are you, buddy? I miss you here in Vegas, my friend. Yeah, how you doing? It looks like you've had a, a, a great week out there, all kinds of celebrities and famous football mm-hmm. people you've had a chance to hang out oh. with. So kind of set the yeah. scene for all of us. What's Vegas as a Super Bowl city? What's it like? Well, I've been in bed and asleep every night by 7.30. You're ridiculous. Um, I've, I've been getting up at 2. For whatever reason, I can't go back to sleep. But, um, man, I've talked to so Everybody says, by the way, I talked to Deion Sanders. I talked to Chad Johnson, uh, Shannon Sharp. I talked to Pat McAfee. I talked to, oh, The Rock, by the way, is a, a friend of mine. I talked to The Rock. Uh, who else did I talk to? Um, Emmett Smith, uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, I mean, it goes on. And they all say hi, by the way. They all say, hey, how's oh, Mike doing? What's that big-headed knuckle guy doing? I miss like, them. I miss them. Right. I miss them so much. Oh, uh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> says hi. They really miss having you here, my friend. But, uh, no, it's been good. And, you know, and I've connected with a few guys. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I connected with a guy that I haven't seen in 100 years since I was playing who is one of the dudes, and I've always wanted to do this show called Legends of the Game that you've never heard of. And I played this guy in 1993, and uh, he he beat my ass like a rented mule in that particular game. And shortly thereafter, a couple of weeks, I went on IR with uh, Guillaume Beret. I had a lot of issues, but uh, health issues. But he beat me down, and this is one of the biggest humans you have ever seen in your entire life. And I saw him as soon as I, I saw him, I knew who it was. I hadn't seen him since the day we played against each other. Uh, Eric Swan. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember Eric Swan, but Eric Swan went right out of high school into like yeah. semi-pro football. Yeah. 
and then went on to be a Pro Bowl player and uh, play like 10 years in the league. Uh, I think eight or nine years for Arizona. I think he finished one year somewhere else. But that dude right now, to this day, he's my age, 50-whatever, uh, late 50s, and he is uh, every bit of six foot five and probably 320. And yoked. I mean, yoked. Big old, his hands are like pork chops, man. They're like, I mean, big, thick hands, veins up his arm. I'm like, dude, like, take the day off. Eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> um, he is, he's freaking gigantic. But it was fun to connect with him. Um, really cool to see a bunch of people out here. Like, it's always kind of a pain in the ass, you know, when you come out here, like, oh, my God, I got to trudge around. And, um, and this is, I mean, it's a bit of a pain in the ass, but it's really cool to connect with guys and, see guys that you played against and you played with. And uh, um, that's been kind of a fun part of it. And and during the course of a long Super Bowl week, you almost kind of forget at times uh, the game, you know, and the teams because they, yeah. they, they can get lost in all the, the Super Bowl festivities. But now that we're starting to really kind of get closer and closer, about 48 hours away from uh, from the game, just kind of your your overall feelings about this about this matchup and where where you were at the beginning of the week, how yeah. you looked at the game, and has anything changed over the course of the week to change your mind? I am um, listen. Uh, you know, this is going to be a biased podca- podcast because, like, I sat down with Ed McCaffrey yesterday. I sat down with Lisa McCaffrey. You know, I've known Ed and I started playing together in nineteen ninety five. Mm-hmm. Um, we played for six years together with the Denver Broncos. I've known Lisa since 1995. I've known Christian since he was two years old. You know, I know all the McCaffrey boys. Um, you know, and obviously I've known Kyle Shanahan since he was like 12. I mean, Kyle Shanahan used to come to practice like during the summertime in our OTAs. And he's over there running routes with Eddie McCaffrey and running routes. He's in high school, running routes with Eddie McCaffrey, running routes with Rod Smith, kind of learning his craft. He went on to play at Duke, and then he transferred to Texas. But he played wide receiver, and he had a chance to, you know, to try and make a team and play wide receiver in the National Football League and, you know, and had that kind of come-to-Jesus moment with his with his father, like, hey, man, maybe you're the fifth wide receiver on a team and you play some special teams and whatever. But, like – kind of encouraging him if if that's not kind of the path you want to take maybe coaching is the path you want to take and so that's kind of how some of that stuff went down but I've known those guys forever so you know I'm in, in my heart of hearts man I'm rooting hard for um the Shanahan's I'm rooting hard for the 49ers I'm rooting hard like Anthony Lynn is on that staff Anthony Lynn was a teammate of mine Bobby Turner was our running back coach when I was there you know, John Lynch, I've known John Lynch, played against John Lynch forever. Um, you know, there's that Jay Bird. Jay Bernetti is the equipment manager of the San Francisco 49ers. Jay Bernetti took over as the head equipment manager for the Washington Redskins when he was 19 years old. Wow. I've known Jay Bernetti since I was 23. And, and you know, <laughs> and he was my equipment manager. As a matter of fact, we, uh, I'm a young player, and uh, we're playing against Cleveland in the preseason. You know, and that's when you have 80 guys on the team, yeah. right? And so we're the mistake by the lake in the old <laughs> Cleveland Municipal Stadium. And I take three laps around the locker room. It's a preseason game. I'm like, Jaber, where's my locker? 
Like, where's my locker? And he's like, uh, you're standing in it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm standing in it. And sure enough, I'm standing by this four-by-four pool. Like, you had to duck, duck under. There were pipes and stuff in the locker room back then. And there's a four-by-four pole, like a support pole, in the middle of the locker room. There's one nail in it and a piece of tape with 69 above it. He goes, hey, you're a low man on the totem pole. That's your locker, dude. And so it was, there was, you know, a nail on each side of the pole. So there yeah. was that was four lockers in the uh, in the preseason locker room. But I've known Jay since, like I said, I was, since I, I was a rookie. And uh, he's the adequate manager of the Niners. So it just is it, – it's really cool. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really rooting for him. But the crazy thing is San Francisco's been, you know, arguably the best team in the NFL all season long. And I've told you this on this podcast. We've talked about it on the radio show before. In the last two weeks, I think Kansas City has played probably their most complete football that they have all season long against both the Buffalo Bills and the Ravens. And I think San Francisco has played collectively their two worst games of the season against Green Bay and against Detroit. And so, um, like, I'm not going to be surprised if Kansas City wins. Um, and it's hard for me not to lean in that direction, Mike, but I- I'm taking the Niners. Yeah, I-, I just can't pick against Patrick Mahomes now. I I thought they were vulnerable this season. We saw them when they played and lost to the Broncos, and there was a real sense that, hey, maybe, you know, maybe the window's closed. Um, or at least for this year, the window's closed for for Kansas City. But the way they came out and played in these playoffs, and it's not so much that they've been so much better offensively. They've actually only averaged like a point or two more in the postseason than they have the regular season, but they just seem tighter. They just seem more efficient. Like, for example, Mahomes set a career high this year for interceptions with 14, but in these playoff games, four touchdowns and no picks. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the other things, Mike, is I really thought when the Kansas City Chiefs lost the Super Bowl to Tampa Bay, I thought there was some football hubris involved on the part of Andy Reid. There was like, we win the way we win, and we're going to throw it, and we're going to do those things. And when you look at the way that Tampa structured their defense, they played from high to low, meaning – they were basically inviting you to run the football on them. Their linebackers were sitting at six yards, and they were getting so much depth in their drops that they were taking away those passing lanes, and they were getting – I mean, they were doing a great job of essentially, you know, playing defense and basically said, if you want to run it down our throats at five or six yards of carry, be our guest. We will allow that to happen to you or happen to us but we don't believe that you're going to do it because that's not the way you like to play. That's not the way you like to call a game. And I thought Andy Reid and the, and the Kansas City Chiefs fell victim to what I call football hubris. They, they just were going to win the way they were going to win. Yeah. That's not them anymore. Like Isaiah Pacheco, a former seventh rounder, dude runs his butt off. He's been a focal point, an actuator of that offense. They are much more balanced, even though they've lost weapons on the outside. They have become much more balanced. And like you said, they've tightened things up. And, you know, people will say, well, I mean, what's this flip the switch? You know, Travis Kelsey talked about flipping the switch and we're much better. And people will say, oh, well, they've only scored like about one more point per game. Yeah, but you did it against two top 10 defense or three top 10 defenses in the playoffs. Miami was a top 10 defense. 
Buffalo's a top 10 defense. Baltimore's a top 10 defense. So not only did you curb your propensity to throw interceptions and turn the ball over, but you're also scoring one point more per game against three top 10 defenses. That's an incredible turnaround when you kind of couple that all together, Mike. So why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We, we like to do this with the big games. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll lead you in. Kansas okay. City wins the Super Bowl if they do what? So if they, if they attack San Francisco's defense and run the ball efficiently like the last two opponents against San Francisco have done, I have been – like for me, and I did the last two games of the season for San Francisco, so I probably broke down six – games and I honestly thought that the strength of San Francisco's football team was their ability in their front seven to rotate defensive linemen to control the tempo and the line of scrimmage and to really kick your ass doing that and to let their linebackers run roam just fill you know just attack trigger and get downhill I thought in their last two games in the playoffs, they've been embarrassed. I think they've gotten their ass kicked. I think, you know, I think uh, Chase Young's got his ass kicked on land line of scrimmage. I thought Penny Sewell had his way with him. Um, I thought their inside rotation, which has been a strength, you know, Eric Armstead came back from injury, and I just don't think he's been the same. I thought Ken Law and I thought uh, Hargrave have not been as dynamic or as, as you know, as just – dominant as they'd been earlier in the season and whether that's just wear and tear whether that's injuries I don't know the other thing that that scared me is um those two teams both Green Bay and Detroit captured the the perimeter of San Francisco's defense so when you got to that outside pitch game that pin and pull you know that crack pull game um guys safeties and linebackers and corners have not replaced they have not they call it crack replace so if you get a guy that comes down in motion and cracks a defensive end and people pull around you got to come fire up and create a new edge and force that back in you know force that running back to get back in and they've allowed the opponents to capture the edge of their defense to get seven eight yards before they have to make a cut like they have been really piss poor uh, defending people. Then the other thing that, that scares me a little bit is in their defensive back end, you know, they've had some injuries, Mike. They haven't been great in their back end. But one of the things that scares me is um, Ambry Thomas. Like, he has been a guy that people have targeted in three wide sets. 
Diaminor to Lenore has moved into the nickel spot. And if you get into three wide sets, number 20, Thomas, has been a guy they have attacked in coverage. He got a couple in that Green Bay game. I think he had a couple, two, uh, two PIs and maybe another penalty in there. Um, they went after him a little bit. Their back end has been a little banged up. Gibson's been hurt. Um, they've had injuries back there. So that, that makes me a little bit nervous about where they are right now. And, um, and this defense, they've got to control that line of scrimmage. They've got to control from a defensive line standpoint. Otherwise, they think they could be in trouble. All right. So as we continue to talk about Kansas City, so they've, they've seemed to have tightened things up a little bit offensively. Defensively, boy, they've been really good. And so how do you see that matchup with Kansas City's defense going up against San Francisco's offense? Uh, an offense you got a really good idea about what Kansas City, uh, San Francisco is trying to do. How does that matchup look to you? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you look at Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills ran the ball on Kansas City. They ran it really well uh, early. And then it was like, I don't know that, that, that Kansas City did anything to stop it. I, I just think Buffalo quit doing it. It was almost like, okay, now that we've got this thing and we're rolling, now what we're going to do is we're going to uh, – you know, now we're going to let Josh Allen be the MVP, which, like, to me is so stupid, right? Um, here's here's San Francisco, what they have to do. You are and, – and I probably spent, Mike, I probably spent – I probably talked to 12 different teams in the offseason. Every one of them said, we're studying the Niners' run game. The Niners' run game is is so unique. They're much more diverse than, like – when I started out with Mike Shanahan and that the, the root of that offense was there, um, we were not nearly as diverse as San Francisco is. They, they run a lot more stuff than we ran. Um, but the base of their offense is, is, you know, wide zone. And they do such a great job of changing angles, using motion, um, using shifts to get angles on people and to block people and give people on one play many, many different looks. And that's what they do probably better than anybody else in football. Um, and then everything that they run, whether it's a gap concept, whether it's duo concept, gap concept, power, counter, or whether it's zone or tight zone, they do a tremendous job as a coaching staff of marrying their play action to those things. And so that's how they create so many big plays in the passing game. So for me, I think the biggest thing, and this is what they've gotten away from this, and some of it is because, you know, they've, they've fallen behind quickly, um, and so they've gotten away from their run game. They've gotten into more kind of a empty spread, drop back game, which is not what their strength is. To me, San Francisco has got to run the ball, control the tempo of the game, control the clock, eliminate some of the possessions by Kansas City. I think they have the ability to do that, but that's how they have to go about winning this game. Get back to your identity. Get back to who you are, who you were all season long, because if you tell me what we're going to do is play the way we played the last two weeks and we're just going to let Brock Purdy scramble around, make some big-time throws and do that, I'll tell you you're going to lose. You're not beating Kansas City trying to out Mahomes Mahomes. It ain't going to happen. As good as I think Brock Purdy is, that is not the way you're going to win that game, this game. So do you, do you like Purdy in this matchup? Do you, do you like his ability to 
not get overwhelmed by the moment, not get sucked up into the idea that I'm going head-to-head -head with Mahomes because, you know, if a young quarterback starts thinking that way, I would think that that right. could lead to a, a lot of mistakes on a long day. Yeah. I feel like that was kind of what went down in Baltimore. And, and, and yeah. almost that cult, almost that coaching staff was like, we're going to prove to you that our, you know, MVP can out Mahomes, Mahomes. Yeah, like, and nobody can. Like, Mahomes is a unicorn. He's, you know, like I've said many times, he takes a dump. It's Orange Sherbert. It's just <laughs> incredible. So, um, but, but Purdy is such a grounded kid. And, and the other thing Purdy understands, uh, he understands how good he is. He understands what he's great at, but he also understands what his weaknesses are. Right. And he is not one of those kids that's like, I'm going to prove to the world that I am the next Joe Montana or that I am. It, it's just not the way he's wired. So I think Purdy would be just fine, you know, handing it off 31 times and throwing it 18 for a victory like he would love that so I, I just don't feel like he's going to be like I've got to do this to get us to where we need to go I, I just think he understands what that offense is what it's been the whole time and um, he's going to have to make a couple of big time throws and he's going to have to scramble around a couple of times and, and save a you know a third down situation but ultimately he understands that for them to be the most effective version of themselves they have got to do what they do. They've got to run the ball. They've got to set up their play action. And there's nobody that does a better job of setting up that play action, marrying it to their run game. And the strength of the 49ers, we've all seen it, it's a six-yard throw, and the receiver catches it in stride, yeah. and there's not somebody within eight yards of him. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden, whether it's Debo or Ayuk or Kittle or Juszczyk or Christian McCaffrey, now they're all running backs. And that's when they're at their best. But it's all predicated on them being able to run the ball and control the tempo. And they have not controlled the tempo of either game they've been in in the playoffs, either Green Bay or Detroit. All right, time for a pick. I'm going to go with Kansas City. I got Kansas City 24-20. to 20. I'm sorry, I just can't pick against Mahomes. I know a lot of America may not like this, but I'm going with Kansas City. They win the Super Bowl, and they officially – officially become a dynasty. Yeah, well, I mean, you go to six AFC championships in a row, I think you're already a dynasty no, no, no. with a Super Bowl win or two they have right now. But uh, there's part of me that there's part of me that, that hates this pick. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I say that 49ers get back to their identity. They do what they do best. They run the heck out of the football. Christian McCaffrey becomes the MVP. They win this thing 27-26. Late rally, but it's just not enough by the Chiefs. San Francisco is your Super Bowl champion. So when you get to this kind of game, right, it's the Super Bowl, and you haven't played – the 49ers, I know, feel like they haven't played their best football in the last two playoff games. But they've yeah. won. But – in your experience, when you get to this game, can you just kind of get back to being who you were? Or have you sort of established this This is what we're going to have to deal with and get around in the Super Bowl? Like, can you shake off two bad games? Or are they mm -hmm. even bad games? Because you won them yeah. here in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, 
I think it's one of those things you've got to execute early so that you can get in the tempo and rhythm yeah. of what you do. And I think ultimately what, what really happened to them offensively, why they got off track so bad or so, so why they got off track so bad um, offensively is because defensively they were so awful. You know, they give up a long touchdown drive to Green Bay right off the bat. Like I said, they had one possession in the first quarter in that Green Bay game, another long drive. Like you just got off schedule, and then it's really hard to get yourself back into that rhythm. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things that went down. Um, defensively, you know, I mean, ultimately, it's it's almost interesting. Like I know you love to double up in the last four minutes, right? Mm-hmm. It's It's – have that last possession, see if you can score, get the ball, come out of halftime. But I'm telling you, if you win the opening kickoff, I don't know that your best play is not to take the ball if you're San Francisco. Instead of putting your defense out there and saying, let's get ourselves into the rhythm that we want to be in right off the bat. I'm not sure that that's the I, – I think that might be the best play for them. I know that's not the standard, the way teams do it now. Everybody defers. But uh, the way they played defensively, I don't know that deferring is the is the best answer for San Francisco. Hey, let's just do a couple of quick uh, housekeeping details here before we get out of here for the um, All right. for the week. Uh, MVP Lamar Jackson. He joins a, a very distinctive, very select group of quarterbacks who have won two or more MVPs. The thing about it, though, is that all these quarterbacks that have won two or more MVPs have won a Super Bowl. Can Lamar Jackson, can he be included in that kind of group until he wins the Super Bowl? Um, Like if if his career was to end today, like if he and Mahomes' career ended today, Mahomes goes directly to the Hall of Fame, I don't think Lamar goes. now. Even with two MVPs. Even with two MVPs. But if he continues on this path, like, if he wins or gets to a Super Bowl, then I think with two MVPs, it's in. But right now, I think there are some question marks in regards to that. So, um, I'm going to say I'm gonna say probably not. Probably not. Okay. DeMar Hamlin did not win the Comeback Player of the Year award. That went to Joe Flacco. Apparently, dying on a football field and coming back the next uh, year isn't enough for a comeback. Yeah, apparently not. I, you know, if that one, I mean, that one doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you pulled the Lazarus, uh, he, you rose from the dead, and it's amazing what he was able to accomplish. I get that Joe Flacco came off his couch. Now, if Joe Flacco came off his couch when he was dead, that would be a different <laughs> story. But he just came off his couch, and he did play well. There's no question about it, but I – I would have voted for DeMar. I, I just what what to overcome that fear and to overcome, you know, those odds and to spend as much time as he did in the hospital and everything else. Um, that's a remarkable comeback. I would have given it to him. Okay. Well, enjoy your final uh, hours, days in, in Vegas and have a good time. I know you've had a good time thus far. We appreciate all the sights and sounds and everything you've shared with us. Apparently what has happened in Vegas, you've been able to share with us. Uh, yeah. in talking about what happened in Vegas. So it's been a good week. I wish I was there with you, but uh, America, get ready to enjoy the Super Bowl. Exactly. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Sync Group podcast, I do want to show you my homemade tripod just so you guys have a look at this. Okay, wait a minute. Here we go. 
for, can you see that? For everybody involved, in, oh, there's Mace back there. For everybody involved in the Sneaky Truth Podcast, hey, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, download, subscribe. For Mike, I am Mark. You guys have a great day, and uh, go Niners. How about that? All right, go Casey. Whatever, whatever one you like best. All right, man. I'll talk to you, Michael. See ya.